Hey, good afternoon. This is Sharon Lee Sabatha, creative head at the Bitchy Business Briefs and the creator of the podcast, Middle Finger Happiness, Work Hard, Live Well, Don't Fuck With Me. Definitely going to hear some stories of grit, tenacity, you know, aha moments, not giving up, and uh, just just having that effort moment. You want to just turn your life around. Uh, today, I have a guest, and I'm really stoked to have him here because it's going to kind of connect the dots on... Um, podcast I had a couple of days ago on anxiety, depression, and even suicide during the holidays. But I had the pleasure of meeting Austin De La Cruz here in my office or my studio last week during an open house. And we got to talking and blew me away with what he does. So I'm going to just introduce him shortly and I'm going to ask some incredible questions. We're going to have a great time. Um, But Austin is a psychiatric pharmacist. He's also a clinical professor at the University of of Colorado. (laughs) University. I'm thinking of Colorado. That's why I said that. The University of Houston pharmacy uh, clinical professor there. And so we are just, I'm just thrilled to have him here. Um, Austin, thank you for coming. Yes, it's Sharon. Thank you so much for having me here. It's great to be here. Yes. Okay. So we're sharing this mic because um, my equipment is still not set up. So bear with us guys as we're going to be in and out. Um, man, Austin, I don't, we were just having such a great conversation before the podcast was recording and I just go back to it. What do you feel right now, especially during the holidays, between now and New Year's, and even what the first half of January, what causes people to feel so? Um, I don't know what the word is like they have to accommodate, they feel stressed. What are the or why? Why are these yeah. triggers the way they are? All great questions. So, uh, historically, I guess when we think about Christmas time, when we think about the holidays, we always think, and you hear at Target the song playing over and over, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, and right. so that's what we grow up thinking, and, and uh, it is a good time where we get a break from work, a break from yeah. uh, responsibilities, obligations, and we get to spend time with family, friends. However, on the opposite end of the side, this may be not so much the most wonderful time of the year. It could be a dreadful time of the year for individuals that don't have family, that don't have friends, that may not be able to have those social connections to meet up with other people. So today I wanted to kind of talk about the different um, kind of uh, stressors that can happen during the holiday season and what we can kind of do uh, about that. So kind of kicking off with different types of uh, individuals who might experience these these stressors, thinking about individuals with social anxiety disorder. So this is a disorder where individuals uh, get really anxious when it comes to talking with strangers, talking, being around large groups of people. Mm-hmm. So this are the these people might really try to avoid situations like holiday parties and um, and trying to um, get together with large groups of families, individuals with panic disorder, agoraphobia, um, thinking about going to the airport and the long lines at the airport, right. all of the people trying to check their baggage. You can imagine that that can be very panic inducing as oh, it is, which can cause a lot of stress for those individuals and also uh, people with major depressive disorder. We know that um, maybe for those people that have lost a loved one recently or like I said may not have a significant other, this can be a period of time where you can start to see more of the depression, more of the low mood. So uh, depending on um, that particular individual and, and what they, they may be going through, this, this unfortunately cannot be the, the most or, joyous exactly. time of the year. It's it, hard. Exactly. Well. Um, I'm I'm blown away because you you hit a lot of trigger points and so for our audience I want to you know 
give you the opportunity of let them know, you know, who you are mm -hmm. and, and what do you do and what got you into psychiatric uh, therapy? Is that what yeah, you would call it? Yeah. So pharmacy, yeah. pharmacy. You're a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in a way, yes. In a way. So who are you and, and what do you do? Yes, yeah, so my main uh, focus and, and, and goal right now is, is uh, teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a clinical assistant professor at UH College of Pharmacy, uh, like you said in the introduction. And so uh, my main uh, specialty is psychiatric pharmacy. So um, we're looking and thinking about all mental health disorders, uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's, and the list can go on and on and on. But uh, that's mostly what I teach and focus on in my class. And I also am a clinical pharmacist, and so that's where I see a lot of uh, patients, uh, mostly uh, veterans uh, within the VA system, and so help treat them with whatever um, disorder that they, they need uh, help with when it comes to medications. Um, I like to think that I'm one of those pharmacists that first try to do uh, psychotherapy first, so seeing a psychologist, seeing what we can do in terms of cognitive behavioral therapies, ways to alter um, your own uh, kind of life before jumping straight so into let's, medication. So let's break it down so, Dr. Seuss style for some of yeah. us who will be like, what, what, what do you mean cognitive? So yeah. what do you mean by fix, fix it in that manner first? How can you break that down? Definitely. So uh, with the psychotherapy, this is primarily done by psychologists. It can also be done by psychiatrists. And cognitive behavioral therapy is usually one of the go-to methods and um, ways to try to help change negative thinking. And that's really one of the the key focus uh, points with that. With, and you can think about anxiety. So we can think about individuals with social anxiety. Whenever they think of large crowds, they think of going or um, giving a presentation. It's just it's, automatic it's panic fear right. response. What, what triggers that? Is it something in childhood? Is it something that maybe, you know, like you said, PTSD, they were a, in, a veteran? Or what triggered it? Because... You know, I know the, the brain has quadrillion wires connected. We were just talking about how the network is. Um, and we, we tend to use probably the same 10 wires every day. And so those wires are going to get fried, so to speak. So what is it that triggers that panic or that, or were they born like that? Yeah. And so a lot of times uh, when it comes to panic, when it comes to certain types of anxiety disorders, it can be genetic. And okay. so that's one of the main things that I always like to ask my patients the first time that I see them mm -hmm. is, um, do you have any family history of mental illness or anxiety disorder, whatever that may be? That way we can, can first figure out right. what their parents also used if they did try to seek treatment, and that might work, work now. very well for that. Uh, well, we all have a crazy relative. I mean, there's nobody that's as immune to that. We all have that, that mm -hmm. family, uncle or aunt or mm -hmm. parent that, you know, dealt with it and, and we were just talking prior to the podcast about the silent generation that's the generation I don't even know the years but that's before the baby boomers and we could it have triggered from that like you didn't talk about these things you just yeah. kept them to yourselves yeah how do people handle that and does that trickle trickle down is that the word trickle down into Millennials, Gen X, I mean, does that affect them? Yeah, so uh, genetics, definitely that can play a huge role, but that's only a very, very small percentage okay. when it comes to that. A lot of times, like you were saying earlier, it can be something that's learned over time. Mm -hmm. And so something tragic, something traumatic could have happened to that individual early on, 
where they start to associate large crowds with terror, with panic, with a fear. So they'll do everything in their power to avoid that. And that's exactly where we start thinking about PTSD. Avoidance symptoms are one of the key triggers and symptoms that we see with that particular disorder where individuals don't like to be in an area where they can't see the door where they don't know how to escape and so constantly they're thinking of these things that are going throughout their uh, day-to-day functioning so when they when they when you think about trying to go through um, a particular job or or, uh, accomplished tasks at hand that becomes very difficult so they're always like in a flight or fight exactly uh, i can answer that better yes yeah that that okay that caveman we goes way back to where you know the caveman or wow and that's that's basically what anxiety is it's our fight or flight response that's overactive and we're just trying to find ways to uh, silence that and that's what cognitive behavioral therapy you know and we're going to jump around this is going to be such a great conversation so i have a 10 year old little boy who's you know awesome little kid and he comes home with these stories and he was like mom you know you know joey had a trigger on the playground and he just lost it and i'm like when did a 10 year old when was it acceptable for a 10 year old to talk about joey had a trigger and he lost it on the playground i didn't talk like that on the playground i just threw a rock at you and you laughed and you ran so now little kids are becoming more aware of you know the word trigger he uses that word um, in his vocabulary and so do his friends this is going to be way out. Could this trigger come from social media? Could it come from um, this generation constantly has a, a, a you know an, a piece of equipment in their hand? I'm guilty. My you know my kid's grown up with an iPad since he was two years old, mm-hmm. so they're calling the digital natives. Could that lead to some psychi- psychiatric um, triggers as well? Uh, having technology on hand at all times mm-hmm. is that kind of yeah. progress yeah so that's one thing that um, we kind of worry about in an academia setting um, in terms of um, new generations of, of individuals who may not be as social as those prior and the whole reason for that is because if you go on a, a bus today right. um, every single person is going to be on their phone yeah the and, earbuds and living the earbuds are going to be yeah. in yeah, and right, so right. or the chances that you're going to talk to someone just randomly it's it's very low and yeah. so technology can definitely hurt that in a way I was, and, and I was so, reading that um, when we what part of the brain um, the hippo hippocampus hippo, I just said hippopotamus yeah. but the hippo <laughs> the front part that's not fully developed um, for quite some time so if other parts of the brain are triggered, mm-hmm. does it affect that part of the brain in its development? Yeah, so the, the first the first part of the brain, that's the frontal lobe, that the is lobe. exactly, yeah. it, it does take um, upwards into early 20s, late 20s, especially for males to develop. Wow. It's a little bit faster for females, but um, what you do see because of that, when the frontal lobe's not fully developed, you have more impulsivity, you have more, you would do things that instead of thinking twice about doing it since the frontal lobe's not developed you might go fast in their in a car you might try to race you might do something that that um as you get older you start to think well maybe this isn't a good idea purely because of the frontal lobe hasn't fully right. developed yet somebody so. just thinks i just so should have taken uber now let's yeah. just go yeah, yeah okay yeah, oh exactly. don't know that so, that moment yeah. okay yeah. um so i'm gonna switch gears here um how do Happy, what is this word I have? Like, happy chemicals, how are they naturally released? And because in a little podcast that I did, what, two episodes ago, I talked about for myself, from my experience, it's exercise, it's mm-hmm. it's running. Now, not everybody can run, but they can walk. So Definitely. how do happy chemicals 
are how are happy chemicals naturally released in the body and does that help yeah that's a, a great question so anytime you're um, going back to running mm -hmm. when you're running you feel good they call it a runner's high it's basically endorphins that are mm -hmm. being released and these endorphins are are similar to what we call dopamine which is a fancy chemical in our brain serotonin which is another one and norepinephrine and these three main chemicals are what we use to target with all of our our medications and so it's interesting because it, when they look at uh, how these medications work it's these medications are actually changing parts of the brain in order to increase those happy chemicals in our mm -hmm. brain and so if you think about it there are a lot of other natural ways that we can increase those chemicals like you said exercise right. is a big one meditation actually helps release those chemicals as well and so not as much to the extent that medications can but that is right. a good starting point and if anything it would be great adjunct to use with medication as well i know with people like myself i'm very i don't say hyper but i am um gosh i guess hyper i i i, I can switch gears and go into something quickly because uh, i'm so used to doing something new so for someone like myself who would have a very hard time meditating because I do try to, but then you start wondering and thinking about things, and then that's where that trigger starts. For example, let's say you're meditating, because this happened to me the other day, and I started thinking about this is an old song from the 70s, Dust in the Wind, or Kansas, you know, well, we're just dust in the wind, and I was thinking about my uncle who passed away actually a week ago. Um, um, it's okay, and so I got, I got sad while I was meditating, because I was thinking, okay, screw this, I can't do this, I gotta go run to go get happy versus meditate. Is that just depending on the individual? Because for some people meditation does work mm -hmm. and for others being physically active works better? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. I think the power of meditation is truly uh, being able to sit down and not think of anything, which is extremely so hard at hard first. And that's why like, I recommend it to so many of my patients and they try it for a couple of times and they say, I just can't do it. Because if you think about it, the, the time that I would recommend, the time that I usually try to meditate mm -hmm. is first thing in the morning. And that's yeah. after I've showered, got ready, and I'm about to go to work. And if you think about it, that's usually the most stressful time of the day because you're thinking, I can't be late. I have this to do. Right. I have that to right, do. I'm right. thinking about my responsibilities. Right. But during that time, meditation, I just try to focus on nothing. And so if I do have a thought that comes into my head, I try to brush that away. If I have another thought, I try to brush that away. And that, over time, you kind of train your brain to let go of those negative thoughts that easily come in. So you're talking to yourself. In a way, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself. Yeah. You know, we say crazy people talk to themselves. So I was just, I think Einstein was like, and uh, Abraham Lincoln always talked to themselves and actually read their speeches out loud. And um, so I guess that would be like an outside meditation, or uh, well, not necessarily talking, but thinking. If I do have thoughts that are coming into my head, trying to just get those away back. clear them and so that helps throughout the rest of the day when stressors do come on i yeah. use the power of the meditation to kind of get those uh, keep keep, so. keep going no we're going yeah. i'm just trying to get oh yeah. yeah um wow okay so can you give us some tips for people who have a hard time meditating 
do you guys talk about that in your clinical yep. studies? Um, I would definitely recommend uh, continued exercise. I think okay. uh, meditation definitely comes down to training. And just like if you're planning to run a 5K or trying to do something, right. it's going to take practice. It's going to take repetition. And that's kind of what we see going back to the cognitive behavioral therapies. It's going to take repetition. You have to go see a, a psychologist or talk therapy several times throughout the week for several weeks to really experience the benefits exactly like the medications you have to take these medications at least four to six weeks to, to see, see benefits so it does take a while um i as a writer um i i have a little class that i'm gonna bring up in january but we did one last we did one in october we did one in november we have not done one in december um brain dumping okay um because writing is therapy Definitely. you don't have to publish it but i always tell people to write their thoughts down how does that play into dealing with stress how does brain dumping on paper versus or even typing or whatever how does that help yeah i think that's just key in terms of trying to find 15 and trying to dedicate 15 to 20 minutes by yourself right and that right there is something that i try to recommend to almost everyone if they are having stress if they are having depression i say please try to dedicate 15 to 20 minutes to yourself yeah and you imagine you can't imagine the reactions I get. What fifteen minutes? I don't have fifteen minutes. Oh, but don't put fifteen minutes on their yeah, stupid Instagram exactly. looking at so, you know likes. Yeah, just yeah. just sitting down and right, actually right. you know charting about your day, writing, keeping a gratitude journal can make a huge difference as well. But yeah, just sitting down to write that can be um, very relaxing and soothing to some people that are just used to the go 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 go, go. of daily life. Now you said a word that just triggered something right now for me was the gratitude word and. Um, this is for someone who's listening now, who's going to say, "Ugh, I can't even find anything to be grateful for. I'm just so down in the in the rabbit hole." What do you suggest for them? Because that I mean that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, with, when it comes to gratitude, I think uh, one of the good ways to be thankful for what you have is maybe going to volunteer during the holiday season. I know you mm -hmm. mentioned this yeah. in a previous uh, podcast, but I couldn't really stress that enough because oh, yeah. it, it does kind of help you if you go volunteer serving meals to the homeless especially around the holiday season oh, gosh, collecting yeah. food um, we did the cancer so. um the cancer ward with with kids mm -hmm. um that have just a limited time to to live and when you do i never went back it was it, it really really like for me it helped me like i had no problems like my problems were so small when you see a, a nine-year-old and that nine-year-old is not going to turn to 10 and you're just worried because you know, you think in your head you've got these these problems. Um, so, what caused you to go into psychiatric therapy? What or what you know caught your attention, or how did you become interested in this in this field? Yeah, sure. I actually have a interesting case, but it was during my residency. I was uh, rounding with one of my internal medicine uh, teams and. And we were seeing a, a patient with depression. Mm -hmm. uh, she had been struggling this with this disorder almost her whole life. Um, just to, when I was interviewing her, she would tell me about the kind of life that she was living. She would describe her day-to-day -day as being dark, as being gloomy, as not being able to see colors, as just really not wanting to do anything at all. And so we had, or she had at least tried about uh, over eight different medications and so our next kind of course of therapy when we went back to the drawing board was ECT which is electroconvulsive therapy which will typically give to individuals who have treatment resistant depression yeah ECT is that like what is that they put 
things on their head yeah. with the little wires. Yeah, that's basically electrodes that will stimulate the brain to release uh, those happy chemicals, which we talked about earlier, serotonin, norepinephrine. And, and are they, they're placed like on the temples or where are they? All, all over the, the head and they actually measure an EEG, which is uh, measuring brain waves right. to uh, ensure that they are having a little bit of seizure activity. And that actually releases these happy chemicals. And it's a safe environment. There's <laughs> okay, a, yeah. this is gonna sound crazy. So you're like having an orgasms in your brain? <laughs> I, in a way. <laughs> okay, I, I okay, because when you but, said seizures, yeah. I was like, okay, so but these ECTs. It's very low seizure activity, so okay. not typically what we see with epilepsy or the type of seizure right, disorders, okay. but uh, enough to release these happy chemicals so that um, you can really see a difference and a lot more uh, effective than what we see with medications. What caused her to have those gloomy, dark thoughts um, in this particular situation? So for her, it was actually genetic. And so her mom mm. suffered from depression for a very long time. And um, she did not do well, but once her mom got ECT, she completely changed her life around and, and is doing very well. And so once we mentioned ECT to her, she thought, wait, my mom was on that. And so once we tried it on her, um, two weeks later after several uh, courses of, of treatment, we start to see some definite benefits from her. She would describe that she was able to see colors. The world was more vibrant. It was more wow. crisp. And that opened my eyes right there to uh, really realizing that these individuals are living in a completely different world. And, and it's not just feeling low mood because everybody has, you know, feelings of low yeah, mood, but this is a it's, actual disorder that needs to be treated. And for those people who have actually opened up, um, I remember sharing with my family, hey, I'm really depressed. And they're like, what are you, what are you depressed about? You got everything going for you. You know, they don't understand that. What do you suggest for somebody who has that and they want to open up? How is the best way for them to describe it to someone who doesn't understand? Yeah, I think just trying to um, be open as possible is the best way. And also kind of telling that person what they go through. Um, that way, that other individual can realize that, have some compassion for that individual that may be struggling and they might not have any idea. And so one thing that I like to tell individuals around the holiday season is it doesn't hurt to open up to your family. They might not realize how anxious you are visiting them or being around all the family members. And right. they might say, well, you know what? I suffered the same thing. This is what I've done to go um, to kind of help me through this. Right. So reaching out to people might open up more doors right. in order to find treatment, in order to find a support group than they never had just keeping it inside. I know for myself personally, I had um, um, verbal abuse and a little bit of physical abuse from my mom. So when we would go to Corpus Christi, even now as an adult, as recently as five years ago, I'd get anxiety. So I decided I'm just not gonna go. And I didn't go for about five years. And in those five Christmases, I mean, I don't know if that healed myself, but I, I made sure that I did everything possible so that I was good to be around for my family. Because you don't want to be that crazy person that's always depressed. That's not the way to live. So is taking a break from maybe not visiting certain relatives helpful where if they don't understand too bad because you got to take care of yourself that way you're sane and you're you're good for your family is definitely that, okay and so that would probably be um my rule number one of the holiday season in terms yeah because you have this top 10 list yeah yeah let's that's, hit that, that top 10 list goes yeah straight into that so you bring up a great point and rule number one of trying to maintain good emotional wellness good mm -hmm. emotional balance during the holiday season is set realistic goals and expectations right. and so 
and that's where you can reach out to family and friends. I know people have their family obligations, friend obligations, they have house guests over, and mm -hmm. so just making sure that you fully understand and, and talk with it with amongst your family so that everybody knows what to expect around the holiday right. season. So even if you say, you know, I'm only going to stay one night at this family's house, that way they know early on and it's not a big uh, dilemma Gosh, later on. Yes. <laughs> so, we have to go visit like 10 different people in, in one small town and it's now we just make it to two houses yeah. because everybody just meets at that particular house. So, definitely, okay. definitely. So that's, I, I would really agree with that one. Uh, number two, uh, sharing tasks with family members. And so mm -hmm. if you are having people over, don't be afraid to kind of uh, divide the task out and say, okay, you can help with cleaning, you uh, can delegate. help with cooking. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and I cool. think that will kind of help relieve some of that tension and stress that a lot of people take on if they are hosting parties or other things like that. So to give them something to do. Exactly. Okay. And then the third is um, definitely stay within the budget. I think that's a lot of times people, that's another stressor that comes with holiday season is the financial uh, pressures. Yeah, that, the that obligation happen. to buy, exactly. buy, buy, buy. You have to get the cousin, the aunt, yeah. the uncle, mom, dad, sister. So whatever that may be, I would definitely say uh, <laughs> keeping like, us. You're not, you're not 13 years old. You're no longer on the list. That's, yeah. that's my rule now. <laughs> that's the cutoff. Uh, it's a cutoff time. Yeah. Now, granted, I have a niece who's 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. Of course, she gets something because she's my only niece. But, yeah, you can't get everything to yeah. everybody. You so just can't. one helpful yeah. tip for that, Sharon, if you... A uh, good easy way around that is maybe setting up and leading a secret Santa. So amongst okay. the family members so that you know that each person will get a gift right. and that you don't have to Or the white, you know, the white elephant Even gift. That, it's I, like, oh, I got this funky <laughs> piece of ashtray yeah. from 99 cent store. I mean, not that nobody smokes, but here, you know, it's a, it's a bookmarker. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Cool, white there's, there's a lot of other uh, yeah. free activities around uh, just thinking about our area around Houston. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy um, going out and lights in the Heights exam, for example, oh, was yeah, a free, yeah. free, uh, uh, kind of walking around and there's a lot of other great discovery green. I love yeah. to go down there around the holiday season. Definitely. Um, another uh, tip that I could recommend is being able to plan ahead and confirming details. I think that's that's a solid uh, thing to do. Make a list, check it twice of what you're gonna do, <laughs> who you're gonna oh, see. Who's naughty and nice? Exactly. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Okay, yeah. naughty and not nice, and, <laughs> and you're not even on the list. Yeah. I have a friend. We have a we have a um, an inside joke. Uh, you're not on the list. So sorry, <laughs> you didn't make the list. Yeah. But okay. And then number five, we already mentioned this, but volunteering oh, over gosh, the yeah. season. Oh, yeah, no. I think that would definitely be be helpful. Uh, mm. Number six, an important one is self-care. And so self-care in regards to whenever you think about the holiday seasons, people tend to indulge a lot more than what they uh, usually would when it comes to maybe excessive drinking or overeating. Overeating that yeah. sugar. I, I mentioned that sugar and alcohol. I know that actually this weekend I overindulged in... Chinese food. That's gonna sound funny, but I don't eat carbs that much. Mm -hmm. And this was a carb weekend. And mm -hmm. so today it's like, oh, I'm gonna eat clean the rest of the week. But it takes like two days to get over that binge of carbing. Mm -hmm. And it's like your body, if it's not used to it, it goes, what did you do to me? Yeah. You know, so I'm going through really that sluggish. this morning. You're like, yeah. water. Of course, I got my coffee. Yeah. But um, how do you avoid that? How can mm -hmm. you, or just monitor? Yeah, I, mean, I would. Um, and that's not to say that you have to completely cut it right. off because that's not 
that's not feasible, you know, especially if you're eating and people or families that like to feed you. Oh, yeah. um, it's always a good idea to kind of just set limits too with right. that saying, okay, well, I'm only going to have X amount of beers here and right. I'm going to eat this many plates uh, or whatever, cookies, the cookies, yeah, or cookies or whatever that may yeah, be. Tamales so, or, yeah, tamales or yeah, right. I think right. setting limits would be a, a good, helpful goal for that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And then um, I guess another another one is celebrating uh, the holidays in your own way. And if you're mm-hmm. um, with new families, with uh, moving to a new area, or just wanting to explore more things, I think a lot of times with uh, with stress of the holiday season, you're you're worried about the same kind of over and over, same kind of festivities. Right. But maybe trying to reach out and trying to find something new. To kind of spark spark that holiday and try to spike excitement, right. yeah, develop a new tradition for the family. I think that would be well. I know for us, we you know. we came to an agreement. We can't do both back to back. You know, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We either do one or the other because it's they're not even four weeks apart. And you're like, right. okay, this it is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like we're either going to spend Thanksgiving with all the family, and then we spend Christmas here at home with our little family, or vice versa. Yeah. So we started doing that about five years ago, and it works out better. So Good. you don't feel so I'll look so stressed out yeah, about that definitely definitely and then um, another thing would just be um, uh, open and talking about it like I said earlier right. talking with family members if you are feeling stressed um, not kind of keeping that inside and really the last thing is uh, stop the comparisons I try to tell my students this a lot uh, now in the digital age you're constantly looking at other people seeing how much fun they're having celebrating and if you yourself aren't around you know 40 plus members of your family it's just it's not gonna help <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to be around 40 members yeah. <laughs> of my family You'd be like no no yeah. no 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 yeah, no you wouldn't exactly. want that so oh my god I feel like with the age of social media right now is a lot of times people will see things on social media and use that as a comparison to yeah. measure their own happiness oh, yeah. and so especially with Instagram there's these perfect pictures of everything looks just so each picture has the same color and platform and and then there's people like myself it's just crazy like this is real this is you know this is what I'm going through um of course you don't want to show I don't know would would it be good to show something negative I don't I don't know it doesn't hurt to show the real world the real world I feel like like, yeah a lot of times Instagram is just how you make it for the five seconds when you're posing it's, and trying uh, to make everything perfect. What's that perfect. word I'm looking for? Shangri-La. No, the other word. There's another word. Your, your utopia. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is, you know, your your bubble world. So <laughs> sometimes people have that. Um, yeah. Well, God, a lot of great tips. Um, what can we do to, you mentioned resources. What kind of resources are there out there for um, people who are really having a hard time? Uh, maybe... Uh, somebody recently lost somebody, right. uh, a spouse, a parent, and the holidays is just so, it's so daunting. What's a good resource for them? Uh, what's a good resource for somebody who doesn't know how to deal with that particular yeah. fa- family member who lost someone? So yeah. do you have any, any yeah, words so for that? I like to recommend uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They okay. have uh, good resources where they can not only help you find something within the local area, but also kind of help connect you with those people that may um, may give you those answers of okay. what you can do. And the, it connects you with psychologists. It has a lot of free um, helpful hotlines as well. Okay. I know we talked a little bit about depression and going a little bit more into that for those individuals that are really depressed and and uh, need to talk to someone. Um, a hotline that I always like to recommend is 1-800-273-TALK. 
and that's 8255. And so that's also known as the Veterans Crisis Line. 1-800-273-TALK. Okay. Uh, which is 8255. And so it's a 24-7 service available for those individuals who don't really have anyone to reach out to. They're having these these thoughts, that, uh, hopeless thoughts, worthless thoughts, and they, they just need to talk to someone. And so mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a great resource and one that I constantly and frequently recommend to people. And so this is going to be, this is a question. I'm sure someone's even thinking about this right now. How do you know when somebody's really in that dark hole where they say they are gonna do something versus they're just BSing. They're just like trying to get attention because there's there, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you know which one's real or do you treat each remark like it could be real? Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, go with go the latter. That, the okay. latter. Okay. Yeah, and okay. so for those individuals who are in a dark place that may have suicidal ideations or may have had suicidal acts in, in the uh, past, we, we treat every uh, particular um, statement very, uh, I mean, with the utmost importance. And so yeah. um, anytime someone briefly mentions that during a clinical appointment with me, I'm going through a suicide questionnaire. Right, I'm really right. trying to figure out, is this individual really having these thoughts? What can we do as a hospital to help with that? I'll reach out to family members, reach out to friends. And so there's a lot of different... Um, uh, ways to go about that, but I really try to look for little warning signs, and so, and that's when I'm talking to them. And right. if they might say something along the lines of, "There's no reason to live," or mm-hmm. "There's I don't see any reason of going on," these are all little red flags that a lot of people will say. And people with with suicidal ideations, with um, with um, these attempts in the past, even a lot of times you see that a majority of people have tossed out and shown so many red flags, but people are so afraid to address it. And right. so that's why it's it's so important that anytime you do hear it, you take every, every, um, Take it seriously take, and yeah, say, hey, this seriously. is this is this talk. Let's yeah, slow down. Just, what can we do? Just talking to that person. person. Okay. Exactly. And, and sitting down with them, talking with them. You might be the only person that has ever talked to them about that just right. because so many people are afraid to bring it up. That's true. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up um, a, a topic. I, when I had my last son, which was a great pregnancy, was there was nothing wrong, everything was great, was the first time I actually suffered uh, postpartum depression. And it was, it was not good. It was really, really not good. So I was given... Um, Prozac mm-hmm. for about six weeks and I um, took myself off it, uh, weaned myself, but it was only for six weeks, which definitely helped me. But man, in those six weeks, the first week was, I didn't really feel anything. It was the second week when it kicked in. And for me, and I don't know if this was like, is it normal? I was, I was numb. Like the house could be on fire and I would have been like, so I spoke so slow. You would have thought I was drunk. I was like, yeah, yeah the house is on fire. We need to leave. I was so like, Keeled, leveled out. Is that normal, or was that maybe a too much of a dosage, or a? Yeah, I would say. Because I was like a whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Um, is that how do you how do you measure how much medicine to take and how long does it take yeah. to get there? That's a great question. And so, with a lot of these medications like Prozac, mm-hmm. uh, the brand name for that is fluoxetine. That is a medication also known as an antidepressant, uh, but it's also used for anxiety disorders. And so what these medications do a lot, unfortunately, it, it can cause a side effect, which can make people apathetic, make them very numb to what's going on around them. Oh and yeah, I was so, not creative. Yeah. I was just like, I was a zombie. Yeah. I was like, do you know, I don't even remember those six weeks. Like they were just 
Yeah. So in a way, you could think of for an individual that has an overreactive uh, fear response and right. that fight or flight, it could really help with the anxiety levels because instead of previously being so worried of going into a large crowded room, it might give them the confidence, might give them and allow them to relaxed, take those first right, steps. Yeah. So, but for individuals with with depression and postpartum depression, that's ultimately when I hear that, that might be too high of a dose or maybe too strong of a medication. Right. And right. so we do have a lot of other options out there that will not have that side effect and, right. and that um, can still provide the benefits. With so like that. I said, I was only for six weeks and then yeah. I started um, exercising again. Good. And it kind of it definitely did help, but that was my uh, experience with it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of any other things that would have you taken any drugs? Anybody's asking out there, have you had any experience yourself? As... No, um, not with any medications. Um, I think the, the one thing that got me into psychiatric pharmacy was yeah. just seeing how many people um, can benefit from these medications, and, that, and that's one of the main things that I that got me attracted into psychiatric pharmacy. Seeing the difference, like that patient earlier that right, was the, living in a completely different world, right. starting um, a treatment option for her where it completely turned her life around, that was something that... that, that that just, that just sparked me, you. Yeah, That's like, okay, me, I found my, yeah, my aha. This is what I want to do. I want to help people. And um, so I, I think trying to do that with every single patient that I interact with, trying to get them back to their level of functioning, trying to get them um, to have an improved quality of life and, and getting back and living their life again, I think that makes all the difference and something that keeps me coming back to work every single day. Awesome, awesome. Um, where can people follow you? Do you, are you, do you have, or do you, do you want people to follow you? Yeah, I really don't, uh, <laughs> I really don't get on social media that often. Okay. Um, I have a Facebook, but I, I've actually tried to use no, less of Facebook I know. Uh, because I couple of years back I found myself just on it too much so it, you know what yeah. and that's one of those things is once you become um you for myself you know I put myself out there there's days I I measured this like literally could be on Facebook literally five hours right. replying to people replying and it's like no so a lot of times we just Put the put the post and I walk away and I don't go back for at least a day and that can trigger depression. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Yeah, and so that that's one of the things that I feel like with uh, with a lot of these social media apps and and things that like that is whenever we see that red dot that notification that kind of provides a dopamine response meaning that yeah. it kind of gives us pleasure. Right. And so in a way we're kind of tricking our brains into thinking that all of these responses all of these new right, posts, right, right. That's, that's our happiness and right. so we're kind of measuring that as technology but then if you don't so, respond they're like oh she's yeah. such a bitch yeah, she didn't exactly. respond to me or you know oh they didn't but they, i don't think people think or realize that once something's posted it's not like we're sitting there waiting for it to happen <laughs> we just go on about yeah. our lives um so that just i guess that's one of the things i kind of have to deal with that's and, actually one thing the way i've gone around that is I've actually turned off the notifications for Facebook yes. so I have no idea if someone wrote on my wall which isn't a good thing but eventually I do get back to it and I'll check check it whenever I feel like it right, right, it right. Does, it's not like that red dot makes me check I'm it. learning not to take it so seriously yep. it is it is a little bit serious but then it's not because mm -hmm. at the end of the day I mean you know I have these questions you know who did I help number yep. one myself self-care yep. um, and let me circle the wagon around to that for self-care because a lot of people especially for women we think oh my gosh you know I got to make sure 
you know, the, the, everything was done, you know, dinner, the kids, homework, and then they put themselves last, and then they're grumpy, and they're grumpy, and they're bitchy, and they're moody, and so it, it takes its toll on you, so if you decide to be that mom, or that woman to say, I, I'm going to, you know, spin class, sorry guys, feed yourselves, here's a sandwich, that's not being selfish, so how do you, but you know, the balance, it's so hard as a, as a woman, or as a exactly. mom, and I'm sure even the dads, and they figure they're working too much so any tips for that yeah so that's where I would go back to that 15 to 20 minutes and that's a good starting point and that's the homework that I give everybody and I say every single day I want you to write it down that you spent 15 minutes by yourself and took 15 minutes to do the things that you wanted to do and over time you can start to increase that to 30 to 45 and so just having that good starting point is key because when you're talking about individuals that are constantly on the go, constantly have responsibilities, you could imagine trying to squeeze in an hour just isn't like, it's just not possible. So right. if you can slowly work yourself up to that and change things around that to really fit in maybe a, over two months time span to know that you can fit in that hour time frame, I think right, that would be right. very helpful. I think this is, I'm going to bring up another topic, especially for people who are um, uh, entrepreneurs or who are self-employed, where they're always, you know, they feel like they have to constantly be out there to every networking event, everything. That can trigger depression. That can also trigger anxiety. So again, with for them, uh, for those people, would you suggest maybe not going to as many networking events, being more selective? Yeah, just what um, I would say, um, do as much as you can do, but no more. And so you don't want to stress yourself out, especially when it comes to uh, those things that you're trying to get ahead, trying to be successful. You want to make sure that you keep a fine balance because if you do stress yourself, there's yeah, no point nobody, in it. you're no you're good not to be around, right? And, and we we talked about this before the actual podcast. Uh, we're trying to maybe somebody can email me and tell me who said this, but um, insanity is doing the same thing been, over and expecting different results. results. Yeah. I don't know who said. Was it Freud? Was it Einstein? It was somebody yeah, that someone. said that I was going to be thinking about it. I'm yeah. going to be driving home and I'll remember it. I will Google it here. Um, yeah. So let's say somebody has the same job no I mean we all have jobs we have Mm -hmm. careers but maybe they're doing the same thing for like six years and they're realizing man this is I'm not growing anymore Um, but they can't leave that job because they have responsibilities they have to pay bills or whatever they have a you know household to take care of what can they do to make it a little bit different for themselves so if they're used to that routine you know that eight to five routine getting home from work or picking up the trying to incorporate more of the things that they like to do I would say I wouldn't recommend anyone quit their job and try to uh, chase a dream or something but I think getting hobbies involved in your life uh, getting back to painting getting back to Mm -hmm. working out whatever that may be I think that will definitely help and so um, a lot of people uh, like to go to the gym in the morning. I'm right. not one of those people, but <laughs> that it's could help. Hard to do. Yeah, oh, that Lord, could definitely yeah. help some people. You know, kind of kick off the day and, and um, get them going into uh, helping with that that same routine that they were previously so used to. The so. creatives, um, that creativity. I found. I have found that because um, I have a lot of friends who are creative. Do you feel that creatives are more susceptible to to having depression because we're constantly having to create and then create and create versus someone who, I'm not saying nobody's, everybody's creative. We just kind of forgot about it because we like, you know, we took off into a career path. 
what would you be your recommendation to someone who's very creative, who finds themselves in that position where they're falling into depression? Mm-hmm. I would say, um, I think with, with the creative types, uh, I would say that a lot of times when it comes to... People can be very, I guess, set in stone with the way they like to do things. And that's right. how creative We're creatures of habit. Exactly. Yeah, right, and right, so right. I think one way around that would be to reach out to other people. And I think that would be mm. would be key, which a lot of people don't like to do when it comes to their own art, when it comes to their own photography, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. They like to do their own kind of things. And so I, like what you were saying, people that are creative can be more susceptible if they're not reaching out or not talking to people about these problems and right. really kind of keeping it to themselves and then just releasing it on a canvas or in their photo- their photos, whatever right. that may be. But I think a good way around that would just definitely be to try to... We need to be around other humans. Definitely. We can't definitely. be all We're by ourselves. Social creatures. We are sure. social creatures. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I think I mean I'm, I think we covered a lot here, and I'm yeah. so grateful that you're here. I mean, I'm, I'm, when I first met you, I was real impressed with you know what you were talking about, and I wanted to have that conversation, but I knew it wasn't the right time. So lo and behold, we're here. So um, I have something that I'm, I copied it from another podcast that I heard, and it's called "Would You Rather." And so we're gonna do a "Would You Would You okay. Rather." We're Sounds gonna do good. a "Would You Rather" Q and A, and I'm trying to think <laughs> of well, the one that I told you was funny, but I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, so would you rather dye your hair hot pink for a whole year? Okay. Okay. Or, um, let's see, what would be the other one? Have to go to yoga, hot yoga every day for a whole year. Oh, I actually enjoy hot yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know that, but that's hard. It is very hard. Very hard. I remember the first time I, I went to that, it was, I was so... Where do you go? Where does it, it, you I go actually to? started going back in Florida when I lived there a okay, couple of years okay. back. And so one of my friends actually, she asked me to go with her. And oh, uh, I was I was used to working out several times out of the week. And right. uh, but I thought, oh, hot yoga, that can't be, that oh, can't be no, anything. Yeah, and yeah. so when I went, and I thought I was used to the Florida heat, but the hot yeah. yoga really There's kinda... one here in, in Marlin and I yeah. took and... Um, it's an hour and a half, and then I was like, oh, oh wow. God, so I can't do that one. So I yeah. did the hour, but even the hour class, it's like 100, 102 in there. It, uh, I mean, you're sweating, yeah. and it's hot. So, okay, so no hot yoga. It would, it would definitely require a lot of hydration throughout oh, gosh. all my days. Yeah. Shoot, yeah, by the time we walk out of there, it, I always yeah. felt good. I need to go back and do that. Yeah. So so that's the thing. Well, I, um, I'm out of questions. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, um, oh, I know. Here's some questions. Okay, yeah. corn or flour? On tortillas. Oh, corn. Corn? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, salsa or uh, queso? Queso, for sure. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of something else off the top of my head. I always try these little... Um, I guess that's it. Oh, I interviewed Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk, and oh, yeah. I asked him a question. I'm, and I asked people this question. He had never been asked this question. Um, you don't have to answer, but we're very interested. What is next year nightstand? Before you go to bed, like, what's there? Oh, oh, on a nightstand right now? Yeah. Oh, it's actually a copy of Plink, the book from Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, Plink. Yes. yes. Oh, my and, God. Uh, That's a good book. I was given that book by my girlfriend uh, about a 
year and a half ago and I said, oh, I will definitely read this. And it's a year and a half later and I still have not read it. So it's, but it's there on, I've moved so it from blink. my bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. I blink and it's a year and a half later. It's still there. Yeah, Malcolm's got a lot of cool books. Yeah, that's a really good one. And Tipping Point. I think yeah. Tipping Point. Have you read that one? No, I have not. That one's a, I think you read it. I wrote it. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. So. Yeah, so that's something I need to do. Okay. I need to take 15 minutes by myself and really minutes. just read through the book. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thank you for being here yes. today. Thank you so um, much for having me. We're getting I mean, those phone numbers. We're going to repeat them. I'll actually write them down inside the um, inside the the post. I'll have them. But is there any other last information, tips, nothing you want to? I would say uh, definitely try to go through that list of the the ten things that can help you through the holiday season. And mm -hmm. uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for being here. It was yes, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, you can reach us out here if you need uh, to uh, email me or you have any comments, you can email me at middlefingerhappiness at gmail. Again, that's middlefingerhappiness at gmail. And I thank everybody for listening. Have a super awesome day. Peace out.